Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Thank you for bringing us to your house, for having an opportunity to worship, Lord, to be in your sanctuary. We ask, Lord, that you would quiet our hearts, that you would guide our thoughts, that we would grow closer to you this morning as we seek you through worship, through your word. In your name we pray. Amen. The scriptures this morning is uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 49. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. Is it I myself? Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet, while they were still And while they still did not believe it because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? He gave them a piece of broiled fish. He took it and ate it in their presence. When he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. The first uh, point that we want to make this morning is exactly what we've been doing here today. Jesus' presence comes to us when we commune with other believers. When we share what Jesus has done for us, we can sense the presence of the Lord even in that conversation of sharing. Reminds me of last Tuesday, we had a funeral here at the church, and after the funeral, a dinner, and after the dinner, Ruth came to me and said that her and Tom had been touched by the Lord's presence through their grandson, who many years ago, Matt was his name, and he invited them to come to church here as part of a uh, invite a friend Sunday or something like that. And so she said she felt the presence of the Lord in that invitation and was surprised that her husband uh, was so receptive to that idea, and they began to attend the church. In that conversation, in her testimony, in her witness, I could sense the presence of the Lord there in the dining room as we were eating together. Jesus' presence comes to us when we commune, when we talk, when we fellowship with other believers. In Luke 24, 36, it says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They had been talking about Jesus' resurrection earlier that day, how the ladies had found the tomb was empty and seen some angels. A couple of the other disciples had gone, and sure enough, the tomb was empty. They didn't see Jesus, but the tomb was empty. 
And then uh, the two people who had gone to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, had met Jesus uh, as they went along the way, and he was revealed to them in the uh, breaking of the bread. We talked about that a week ago in our sermon. And so Jesus' presence is always with us, but we have to recognize it and know that he wants to be with us. He wants to bring his peaceful presence with us if we're willing to share what he has done with us and if we are willing to receive what Jesus has done to other people. And then secondly, Jesus' presence can be sometimes frightening. Even in in the wish and the desire to have Jesus' presence with us, we don't always know what exactly that's going to mean and what exactly that's going to look like. I'm reminded a few years ago when... uh, uh, we had an ecumenical worship service in, in East Fairmont High School. It was right after the events of 9-11 in many communities. Probably your community had a joint community worship, prayer, and praise time. Well, we got into that worship, prayer, and praise time, and there were all kinds of things going on in that meeting that uh, you and I as Baptists don't generally see on Sunday morning. I mean, we had people who were slain in the Spirit, falling on the ground. We had people running up and down the aisles praising the Lord and shouting hallelujah. And we had people who came forward, and they were healed and, and proclaimed, proclaimed they had been. And, of course, there's nothing wrong with any of that. It's just that, you know, it kind of frightened me because being an old state Baptist as I was, I just hadn't seen too many people slain in the Spirit before and several of those other things that happened. But it was exciting because the presence of the Lord was there that morning or that afternoon, and you couldn't doubt it at all. So sometimes Jesus' presence is frightening, and that's what happened here in Luke 24. They were startled and frightened and thinking they saw a ghost. I mean, these disciples weren't used to seeing guys that they saw die two or three days ago, now all of a sudden appear in front of them. And so it's no wonder they thought they were seeing a ghost. And Jesus said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? And uh, so he he wanted to assure them that sure enough, uh, he was there, and even though it's a frightening experience, uh, he wanted them to know his reality. And then third, uh, Jesus' presence reminds us of his two natures, his dual nature. Uh, Jesus was God, and Jesus was man. We celebrate that at Christmas time when we have uh, a big word called incarnation in our vocabulary. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, John says. Uh, God became flesh. So Jesus is God, but Jesus is also man. Some of our churches have on the communion table or in the altar, they call it in the Catholic church, they have two two candles. And one candle represents Jesus' humanity as the light of the world. Jesus was the uh, light that shone in the darkness there in in a real human sense as he ministered uh, in Galilee many years ago. But then also is the other candle on the table, and that's the candle of Jesus' divinity, representing Jesus' divine nature. And Jesus is certainly the light more than just of this world. Jesus is the light of the universe. He shines forth his light in the creation and in the world around us all the time. And so Jesus, as he came into the presence of the disciples that morning, or that afternoon, whenever it was, I guess, uh, he was was representing both his human nature and his divine nature. So he says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. 
When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they still did not believe it, because of their joy and, and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Jesus' presence reminds us of his unique nature as a man and as God. And it also reminds us of our frailty in relationship, our, our own sinful humanity. And so people like Isaiah the prophet said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the glory of God. Isaiah had a, a pre-recognition uh, of, of this Messiah who was to come, Jesus. And then the disciples themselves actually experienced Jesus uh, when he came. And he showed them his hands, the scars in his hands and feet, and he showed them that he was really flesh and blood, and he ate that fish uh, with them. The, uh, law, the, uh, the interesting thing is, that many times we forget, is, is that Jesus continues to be bone and flesh. Jesus continues in heaven with those nail prints in his hands and his feet. And someday we're going to see Jesus face to face. If we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're going to see him, and he's going to invite us to what Revelations, the book of Revelation calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's a great celebration feast at the end of time when Jesus invites all his believers to come and to see his uh, nail prints in his hands and to see that, yes, indeed, he was real and he still is real, just as he is in heaven right now interceding for us in that same glorified body that he displayed to the disciples that day. He's there interceding for us. So as we have our prayer time, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just kind of get overwhelmed. My goodness, there's a lot of concerns here, a lot of needs here. But we don't have to worry because God is greater than all those needs that we've mentioned here this morning. And Jesus is right now in his flesh and bones, in the, in, in the nail scars in his hand. He's right there beside God in heaven interceding for us and listening and desiring to answer the prayers that we've uh, uttered to him. And then we have Jesus' presence brings understanding of Scripture. Jesus' presence brings understanding of Scripture and our understanding, a little bit better at least, of, of what salvation means. You've probably had some friends uh, like I have who said, you know, after I became a Christian, all of a sudden, Bible verses that I didn't have a clue uh, what they meant, all of a sudden those verses mean something to me now. Uh, maybe you were like I was. You grew up as a child in the church, and you memorized many uh, Scripture verses, part of the Sunday school thing. Uh, um, and we went to Camp Judson like you folks do. And uh, the church would pay our way to Camp Judson in those days, but there was one... Uh, one thing we had to do, and that is we had to memorize our scripture verses for the Sunday school lessons. And if you memorized them all, then, then the church paid your full way to go to camp. And that was a great way to get kids to memorize scriptures. But the thing was, before I was a Christian, I, I could memorize all the scriptures in the world, and, you know, they were okay, but didn't really mean anything. But then whenever I committed my life to Jesus and really surrendered to following his will, all of a sudden those scripture verses that I had put to memory years and years in the past, now, now they mean something to me. 
And those songs that I heard my mom and dad sing in church uh, didn't really mean a whole lot to me then, but now those songs really touch my life because Jesus' presence brings understanding of Scripture and what it means to be saved. Notice the three parts of the Scripture that Jesus mentions here as we read this. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So we see Jesus divides the scripture up into three different parts. And so it says that he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Jesus is saying that this, this whole idea of, of salvation, this whole concept of salvation, this whole plan of salvation, and the way it was carried out through his death and resurrection, this was all planned way ahead. This isn't something that all, all of a sudden God had to come up with at the last minute when Jesus faced uh, the cross. But rather through the law and the prophets and through the book of Psalms and the Old Testament, it prophesied about Jesus and told that this would all happen uh, to him. The law really is summarized by Jesus in the New Testament in two commands. And what are they? Love God and love your neighbor. So that's the summary of the law. And then the prophets, the prophets are, are illustrations of what Jesus came to illustrate most perfectly in his life. And of course, also in the, in the prophets are many illustrations of how not to do stuff. <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes I learn a whole lot more about Life, when I look and see, well, I don't want to do that, you know. I was fortunate. I grew up uh, the, the fifth son of uh, eight children. And so I had uh, three older brothers and an older, an older sister. And uh, I learned a lot from them, but a whole lot of what I learned was what, what, what not to do. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, like, like them, I, I made my mistakes, and I'm sure my three younger brothers learned from me. Well, don't want to do what Victor did. <laughs> so sometimes we learn not only what we should do from the prophets, from the writings, from the illustrations of the Old Testament, but we also learn what we should not do uh, from their examples. And then the Psalms, the Psalms are putting into practice what we know of the law, and what we see illustrated through the prophets. The psalms are psalms of worship, such as we had here this morning. Mark led us in one, was that Psalms, uh, th third psalm? I think it was Psalm 3, yeah, right. And that, that one is a good example of a psalm of worship. And so we put into practice what we know in our heads, God is love, and what we've seen uh, through the scripture and through the lives of others, we put it into practice as we worship in God's presence. And, and that's the reason Jesus um, brings understanding of Scripture to us. Some people in my family um, uh, have had troubles with that. And uh, my dad would say, well, go back and read it again. <laughs> have you ever had a teacher do that? You know, uh, yeah, they ask you a question and you say, I don't know the answer. Well, go back and read it again. And that's what the Bible's for, is you, know, you can go back and read it again and see those illustrations. Reminds me a little bit of um, when I learned to drive. All of us that have learned to drive had three parts to that learning to drive thing. The first part was they gave you this little manual, 
And in that manual, it told you all the laws of the road. This is what you're supposed to do. R drive on the right side of the road, don't go over the speed limit, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Those are the laws of the road, and you, and you learn those. And then also, you were given illustrations about those laws, so that they said drive on the right side of the road. They had an illustration there, and there was a dotted line down the middle of the road, and you're supposed to drive on this side of that dotted line. And, and so, illustrations of how to drive. But the third part of that then was what? Yeah, you had to actually go out there and drive, didn't you? You had a driver's ed teacher that took you out and said, here's how you parallel park, and they demonstrated for you how to parallel park, and then you did it. And so that's the way it is in the scriptures. Jesus gives us the law of love, and he demonstrated that through the prophets, and then most perfectly demonstrated that law of love through his own life. And then the scriptures give us the psalms of worship. And Jesus also worshipped with his disciples many times, and they used the, the psalms and the, and the liturgies of the Old Testament because they knew those, and, the, and they were Jewish believers at that time. So Jesus' presence brings the understanding of Scripture and what it means to be saved. And then next, Jesus' presence results in a desire to tell other people about him, in a desire for evangelism at home and in the communities where you live, and a desire to share the gospel worldwide. And I'm so thankful to be a part of your church for a brief time and to see how you have been historically involved in Outreach to your community, evangelism, inviting other people to know Jesus. And you have historically been supporters of mission around the world. And there are hundreds of people in this community who know Jesus, who have been brought a step closer to Jesus at least, through your uh, desire for evangelism. And there are thousands of people around the world whose lives have been touched because you have sacrificially given to missions around the world. And so today we get to hear another aspect of how that evangelism around the world will happen in Malaysia. And if you can stay for Sunday school and, or come back for uh, fellowship time after church, you'll be able to see uh, that desire for evangelism and world mission alive and well here at Greenfield Baptist Church and in the lives of missionaries around the world. Now the Bible uses a strange word in some ways to describe our allegiance to Jesus' presence and this desire to do evangelism. And that word is slavery. Paul calls himself a slave of Jesus Christ. And then uh, Peter says that, and several of the other disciples talk about being enslaved to Christ, the servant of Christ, it says in the King James Version, but in the Greek it's the same word, slave, servant, or whatever. A slave is someone whose complete life is centered around uh, helping someone else. And that's what it should be for us as Christians. We are in slavery to the cause of evangelism. We're in slavery, so to speak, to the cause of world missions. Maybe you know some people who are like that. You think of Adoniram Judson. He's a historic figure, one of our first Baptist missionaries. And he went to uh, Burma to tell the good news about Jesus in 1812, I believe it was, and started as a result of that the, uh, uh, see, the uh, American Foreign Mission Society for the Propagation of the Gospel in Foreign Parts. That's what they called it in those days. Now we just call it international ministries or, or foreign missions. But uh, 
Judson and his friend Rice started that uh, triennial convention of Baptists where they got together once every three years and celebrated what the missionaries were doing and encouraged one another in the churches and individually to give more to missions around the world. But uh, Rice and Judson were enslaved to that mission. And so today we have uh, um, millions of people around the world who are Christians because of that in slavery to world missions. In fact, some of those missionaries have come, and come back a second time, haven't they? So right here in Erie, we have some descendants of those first Burmese Christians who are now worshiping here with us, and those Burmese Christians are reinvigorating churches here in this community and in Buffalo and in other places around the United States because they're really enthusiastic about their faith, and they're bringing new life to the church's that originally brought them new life in Christ over 200 years ago. So Jesus' presence results in a desire for evangelism. How can I be a slave for Jesus at home or at work or wherever I go? It says here in Luke 24, 47 and 48, Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached. Now, there's all kinds of ways to do that preaching, isn't there? There's the literal preaching. He, is it, it, it's, it's at least attempted by guys like uh, Dan and I. We attempt to preach. And, and then there's the other ways in which preaching goes on, which are much more effective, and that's where you go out at work and at school, at home. Uh, when you're doing your hobby, you have a favorite hobby, you share the good news about Jesus as you're sharing that hobby. How can I be a slave for Jesus as I go about with my family or, or my friends? That's the question that we all need to be asking uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, we can be Monday morning Christians and Tuesday morning Christians and so on through the week and be much more effective in our outreach and our teaching of repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name Uh, wherever we go. Then Jesus' presence finally continues today through the Holy Spirit. Jesus' presence continues through the power of the Holy Spirit that he sends to us. We receive that Holy Spirit when we recognize uh, Jesus' death and resurrection was for me and to set me right with God. We receive that Holy Spirit immediately upon accepting our position as completely and wholly dependent on Jesus for abundant life now and eternal life forevermore with him. We receive that Holy Spirit when we willingly, willingly follow him and, uh, and declare our allegiance to him, allow ourselves to be, as the former word said, enslaved to Jesus. The question again for us is, are we experiencing Jesus' presence in our life? Are we giving our allegiance to him at home and with our family and at work and wherever we go? Jesus' presence continues as we're surrendered to that spirit. You know, we become a Christian at a given moment in time. And for all of us, it was a different time and in a different way, perhaps. But then that's not where the Christian faith ends, is it? Our relationship doesn't just end with that 
point in time when we receive Jesus and his love and his forgiveness, but our relationship with Jesus should continue to grow and grow. And as it grows because we allow God's Spirit to direct us. You've been in those situations before where you've sensed, uh, you know, I should do this or I should do that. And if you're a Christian, uh, perhaps that was God directing you through his Holy Spirit to do whatever he had pointed out to you to do. And so as you then follow up and do whatever the Spirit is directing you to do, you're growing in your faith and you're becoming more of his disciples as you uh, practice what he wants you to do day by day. So today is the day. Today is the day of salvation, the scripture tells us. Today is the day that you can give your life totally to Jesus and receive all the blessings of his presence as we've mentioned it here this morning. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here we are in our Jerusalem here this morning. Uh, Our church family is our Jerusalem. Here we can stay for an hour or so this morning and receive the power of the Holy Spirit through the teaching of our Sunday school teachers, through fellowship with other believers and sharing the good news of what Jesus has done for us, through hearing answers to prayer and praying that God would yet answer even more prayers. All of that builds the presence of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' presence in our midst. And as we sing our last song this morning, I want you to ask yourself, do I need to take another step into Jesus' presence? Do I need to open my life a step further to allow Jesus' presence Uh, in my life. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we're thankful today for your presence with us. We know, Lord, that we can do nothing without you, uh, but the scripture also tells us that through Christ we can do all things because he strengthens us. So we pray, Lord, that your presence would be in our life in such a way that we would be able to carry out the mission that you have for us as individuals and families and as a church here and a community of believers. And speak now, Lord, to those that you have appointed to hear the message today. Convict and convince them of their need to receive Jesus and invite him into their lives. For those of us, Lord, who have been Christians perhaps a long time, help us, Lord, to continue that opportunity for surrender to you and opportunity to see your presence in our life. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.